Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Holy Spirit enlightens us with the Gospel. He brightens our mind with knowledge of His will and of His work. That is what the sixth through the tenth Sundays of Trinity are about. We see in what way the Holy Spirit dispels the darkness of our ignorance and the sin in our minds with the bright rays of his blessed word. Today, the Holy Spirit teaches a table song to such souls who would be fed and satisfied by the Lord Jesus. Have nothing. This is the first stanza which the Holy Spirit teaches us today, because it is the hardest stanza for us to learn. This stanza, Have Nothing, is also the foundation for every other stanza which the Holy Spirit teaches us. We have nothing. St. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We were born with nothing. And even the body which we were born with, the nation mind, the undeveloped emotions, all of those things are not ours. They were given to us by our triune God. Isn't this what we learn in the first article of the Creed? That God gives me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. The same is true at the end of life. We can take nothing out of this world with us. King Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, said it best, Then I hated all my labor in which I toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled, and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. We have nothing. All of our work, all of our toil, all of our property belongs to God. We are simply his stewards, his managers. But it is good that we have nothing. Look at the crowds who followed Jesus in today's gospel text. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat. It is good that we have nothing, because God will fill the hungry with good things, while the rich he will send empty away. For those who acknowledge that they live by God's grace alone, that every breath that they take comes by his long sufferance, that every successful business venture comes from God's grace and goodness and mercy, that everything that we are and everything that we have is undeserved, that is the person who will be filled. The second stanza of the Holy Spirit's table song follows from the first. Be anxious for nothing. Having nothing apart from Christ can do one of two things. 
Having nothing can lead us into despair, or it can lead us into a mad, futile scrambling for everything that we can get our grubby mitts on. Or we can hear the gospel, the good news that because Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and that he rose again for our justification. And by means of the gospel, God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And he creates in us new emotions, new affections, which are godly and spiritual. This new godly affection is actually the opposite of anxiety. This new godly emotion or affection is called contentment. We see that our Savior is gracious and compassionate to his undeserving people, which is why we never, ever, ever have to be anxious about anything. Today, Jesus says in our text, I have compassion upon the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. We see the people in today's text are not anxious for their bodily needs because they know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Our Savior God knows what we need before we even ask for it. Indeed, we know that God gives us what we need even before we know what we need. Jesus continues, And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. Here, we see a historical example of what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Our triune God, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has provided for us in the past. He is providing for us at this very moment, and he will continue to provide for us in the future. Well, how can we be sure of this provident care? Well, all you have to do is look at the crucifix. Did Jesus die for you or not? Is Jesus merciful or not? Did he make promises to you or not? Do not be anxious about anything, because you know your Heavenly Father's heart. You know his heart because you can see his love in the bruised and bloody corpse of his only begotten Son. The next stanza of the Holy Spirit's table song is this, Oppose Nothing. Do not oppose our Father in heaven and the blessings that he would shower upon you. The disciples in today's text opposed Christ when they said, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? They doubted Christ's compassion and they doubted his ability to comfort. Doubt is a sin. It is a grave sin. Doubt is the opposite of faith. Saving faith is the living confidence. It is the unwavering certainty. It is glad assurance in the promises of the gospel. And when our assurance wanes, we only need to go to our dear Bibles to have our strength restored. Luther says these wonderful words, 
that we should all take to heart. As soon as I take up a psalm or a passage of scripture, it shines and burns into the heart and it gives me new courage and a new mind. This should be our motto. It should be our refuge when the shadows of doubt cloud our minds. Now, this does not mean that we should tempt God by not making preparations. Jesus himself tells his apostles at the end of his life, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. Then Jesus said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Before the end of his life, Christ taught his disciples that they ought to trust in him alone. And he provided for their every need when he sent them out two by two to preach to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, as he is about to depart from them in his death and resurrection, Christ teaches them that in trusting in him alone, they should also use their minds and be good stewards of what he has given them. I mean, look at the examples that are found in the Bible. Paul writes letters to the churches for financial support so that the Jerusalem congregation won't starve. King David spent years putting away money and goods, a legacy fund, if you will, so that his son Solomon could build the temple and support the preaching of God's word. The book of Proverbs also comes to mind where it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. It is not only possible to trust our triune God and to have a balanced budget, having a balanced budget shows that we trust that our God provides for us through means. Through our planning, God provides. Through our work, God provides. Through our offerings, God provides. This is just as true for our church and the school budget as it is for our own personal budgets. It might seem godly to us to say, well, God will provide, God will provide, let's not worry about it. But how do you know that God hasn't already provided. We ought to be careful not to oppose God either by doubting his provident care or by tempting him through careless budgeting and prodigal spending. The final stanza which the Holy Spirit teaches us today in his table song is this. Defile nothing. The Old Testament kosher laws are now defunct. We saw this in the Lord's vision to Peter in the book of Acts. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And it's exactly this. Defiling is what the Seventh-day Adventists and other Judaizing sects do. By refusing to eat pork, shellfish, and the like, these people are calling what God has cleansed unclean or common. No, dear Christians, 
we hear the voice of Christ in the words of St. Paul, who says this, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Everything is sanctified. Everything is made holy by God's word and by prayer. Every meal that we eat is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. And that's why at church gatherings, we simply don't always pray the table prayer that everybody knows, but we also pray the first part of the table prayer from the catechism. And I know that the school does this too. Why? Well, because the table prayer from the catechism has both God's word and prayer in it. Before the meal, we speak the words of Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all wait upon thee, O Lord, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Then after the meal, we speak Psalm 136, verses 1 and 25, and also Psalm 147, 9 through 11. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. He giveth food to all flesh. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse, nor take, he taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. This is a wonderful practice, and I encourage you all to open your catechisms or your hymnals and pray these daily prayers at home. But this sanctifying, this making holy, isn't just true of meals, but it's also true of all of our endeavors in life. When you are about to start a new project, a new business venture, you should really read James 4, 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And then after you read that, you should pray these words. O Lord Jesus, establish the work of my hands to your glory and to the benefit of my neighbors. Amen. And if God does give you success in your business ventures, then you should read Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. And after we read these words, then we should pray. Lord Jesus, you have blessed the work of my hands, 
even though I did not deserve it. Help me to use this bounty to your glory and to the benefit of my neighbors. Amen. And it's in this way that all of your work shall be made holy through God's word and through prayer. Have nothing, be anxious for nothing, oppose nothing that God has done, and defile nothing. This is the blessed song that the Holy Spirit has taught us through this gospel lesson. May this song ring in our ears and lodge itself in our hearts. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.